Yeah, you can go ahead. Whoever started clapping, let's go ahead and finish that up. There we go. That's good. I want to ask a question. How many of you have ever been in a situation where you felt like, you know, this little nudge in the side from the Lord, and you know it was the Lord speaking to you? You're like, okay, yeah, I hear you, I hear you. But then you passed by the situation anyway, and you came to regret it at a later time, right? And you realize, oh, my gosh, like, that was totally God telling me to do something, and I said no. If you've never experienced that, I want to share with you one of my experiences, one of plenty that I have throughout the course of my life. First of all, my name is Sayer. If you've never been to Meadows Church before, welcome home. We're glad that you're here. If you've been to Meadows Church before, welcome back. It's great to see all of you. But a couple weeks ago, I got the chance to be up here, and I got the opportunity to throw my little brother Bryce, who plays the electric guitar, under the bus. I told a story about something that he said about our mom when we were kids, and just a funny story, but this week, you know, I feel like i got to make up for it, you know, because I was negative last time I talked about Bryce. i got to build him up a little bit and bring myself back, tell you a little humbling story that I have in my own life. So when we lived in Sioux Falls, South Dakota a few years back, Bryce and I both worked at Celebrate Church as part of the worship and creative ministry. And every day at 5 p.m., it was my goal, personally, to get home as quickly as possible. Why? Because i got to get to the most important part of the day, which is relaxing before the next day of work, right? So 5 p.m. hits. I'm like, Bryce, let's go because we got to what? we got to work out. we got to eat dinner. And then we got family time, stuff like that. So 5 o'clock, every day I'd go over to Bryce's desk, make sure he was wrapping up whatever he was doing. And we'd walk out of the building together. We'd walk to our cars and we would drive off because we, li- we both lived with my parents for a season of time. And this day was like any other, really any other day, a summer day, a hot summer day. And as I was pulling out of the parking lot, I saw these two 12-year-old girls. They had a lemonade stand, right? And I just felt that, that jab, like, hey, you got some change right there in your cup holder. You should stop. And I, I like, felt it. You know, you feel it, like, deep in your soul when you're supposed to do something, And I felt it deep in my soul, like, you need to stop at this lemonade stand. You need to do it. So, of course, even though I was in a rush to get home and work out and make supper and all that stuff, I did the Christ-like thing. And I I waved as I drove by, you know. I was like, you know, gave them a big smile, too. It was all good. But I felt terrible as I drove off and they were waving back and stuff. I felt terrible because I knew I was supposed to stop. I felt like I was supposed to stop. But I got home in a hurry anyway, and, you know, I, was, I got changed into my workout gear and all that stuff. And then, like, 15, 20 minutes go by, and I'm like, where the heck is Bryce? Like, what is he doing? We walked out of the building at the same time. I, I grabbed him from his desk. I know he left. Like, we got into our cars at the same time. What is he doing? Well, you can probably guess what Bryce was doing, right? He walks in the door. I'm like, where were you at? He's like, oh, I, I stopped at the lemonade stand. And I was like, oh, you did, did you? You know, and he said, yeah, these, these girls were like, hey, aren't you the guy who plays guitar at Celebrate Youth? And I was like, oh, my gosh. I knew God was, like, nudging me again, like, hey, listen up, buddy. You know, so he's like, yeah, I am the guy who plays guitar at Celebrate Youth. And they were like, wow, uh, we, we haven't been for a while. We're going to come back on Wednesday. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, thank goodness Bryce said yes. So let's give some honor to Bryce for saying yes to, to the nudge that God gave him. But that was a humbling moment for me because I was like, man, like I just totally ignored you, God. Sorry about that, my guy. Uh, but that, that really, that story kind of encompasses, at least in a small way, what we've been talking about in this sermon series, faith that moves. Tell somebody, tell one of your neighbors, faith moves. Come on. 
faith moves. In this series, we're going through the book of James, which is one of my favorite books in the entire Bible. And it's, it's really great. I, I love it. And I love the question that Pastor Monty asked us last week. Are you cheating on God? It's such a, it's such a great question. And I thought about it. I, I've been dwelling on it since I heard him say that question. We do message prep every Friday. And when I heard him ask that question, because it deals with things that you're prioritizing over God, right? It's what he said is a, a person, place, or thing that you're putting ahead of God on your priority list or in your life. You, you don't have God at the center of your life. You have all these other things, and God just kind of fits in. Are you cheating on God? I start to think about that question. I think it's such a great question for us to kind of just reflect on and ask ourselves, is God truly the center of my life? Is, is he my top priority? Right, And I think it led me to the question that I want to ask us today, which is, what is God asking of you? What is God asking of you today? What's that little nudge that he's given you? What's that, that lemonade stand that he's given you the opportunity to say, hey, go, go value those, those kids by going to their lemonade stand. And oh, by the way, I'm going to open up a conversation that's going to bring them back into my house, which could change their life forever. What's that little nudge that he's given you? See, in that story... I was really prioritizing my own personal schedule over that nudge from God. My nighttime routine had to get going, so that was more important. But what is God asking of you today? How is your faith going to move? As we wrap up, this is the last chapter of the book of James. Has this series been awesome? Like, I feel like Pastor Monty's been bringing some incredible words from God. And it's good because the Holy Spirit spoke through James in a very powerful way, right? In this book, if you, if you go back and read every chapter... I, I said this last time I was here, but I really feel like James wrote this in a way to where it's like, okay, God is like James, by the way, like billions of people are going to have the opportunity to read this over the course of 2,000 years, so what would you say to them? And I feel like James did an amazing job of kind of capturing things that, not that we want to hear, but things that we need to hear, and, and action that we need to take, faith that moves. Faith without action is what? It's dead, it's meaningless, it's pointless. Believing in Jesus and who he is is only one step. It's only one step. What are you gonna do with that? How is your faith going to move from this point forward? So I wanna ask you to open up your Bibles to James chapter five. James chapter five, this is the last chapter in the book of James. And if you have your Bibles, please, please do open. If you have your mobile device, open it up to James chapter five. And I'm gonna start in the seventh verse so just so you know, like throughout the course of this series, we haven't been able to unpack literally every single verse out of the book of James. So I want to encourage you to go read it yourself. It's really good. It's really good stuff. All of it is very good stuff. I'm going to unpack a couple things, what I felt like the Holy Spirit was leading me to this week. But just know we're going to jump around a little bit in this in relation to that question. What is God asking of you? What's he asking of you? So James chapter 5. Verses 7 through 8, he says, Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen, and you too must be patient. Take courage, for the coming of the Lord is near. James here, he's setting the tone for each and every one of us. He's encouraging us to be patient in times of hardship, patient after you make that decision to believe in Jesus, right, where things oftentimes don't get easier, if not never get easier, right? Once you decide you're a follower of Jesus, then you start to see things differently. You start to see your own life differently, and it becomes tough. 
it becomes tough, but at the same time, he's calling us to have patience, endurance. And I would contend that to do what God is asking of you, remember that question, what's he asking you to do? To do what God's asking of you is going to require endurance. It's going to require patience. It's going to require diligence. It's going to require being steadfast in your faith. It's going to require, as Proverbs says, steady plotting, right? Steady plotting in the right direction leads to prosperity. But it's going to require patience. Steady plotting requires patience. And I, I if you're a parent, you know, you understand Patience, it kind of comes as part of, the, part of the gig, right? When you have kids, you all of a sudden now are no longer responsible over just your life, but you're responsible for overseeing the development of these little ones. And I have three kids. I have three kids. They're 10, 6, and 4. And uh, my, my youngest, her, her name is Leia, which, by the way, Star Wars, shout out. Uh, so I, I don't know how I managed to do that. I was like, hey, Bethany, the meaning of the name is, you know, this. And, you know, I, I convinced her to let me name my, my child Leia. So I think that's pretty awesome. So thank you, Bethany, for that. But I love Leia's attitude, right? Because I, I, I think she's, she's like a lot of us in that, you know, she wants, she knows what she wants, and she's going to be willing to say whatever it takes to get it. And I love her boldness. But at the same time, we're trying to coach Leia a little bit on patience. Even though she's only four years old, right, she wakes up in the morning, her hair is all messed up, her eyes are barely open, and what does she do? She comes up and sits at the, the kitchen counter, and she's like, Daddy, I want breakfast, you know? And I'm like, okay, what do you want? I want cereal. I want a bar. I'm like, well, you don't want me to make you oatmeal? No, no, I don't want oatmeal. Why not? Because you got to make oatmeal in the microwave, right? It takes a long time. It takes like a minute to put it in. So she doesn't want oatmeal. She doesn't want to, anything to take time, right? And she gets impatient about a, a certain number of things. Like she, at lunchtime, you know, her favorite meal is peanut butter and jelly and chips. Why? Because that takes like 30 seconds to make. She just wants it set in front of her whatever you can, right? And the same, the same thing applies when we go to the store. Like we go to Target. She likes to go inside. Why? Because you get to kind of engage with the stuff. You get to look at toys. You get to do all that, all that fun stuff that you get to do inside the store. She doesn't like this new, the, the pickup that you can do. Since, you know, a couple years ago when they started doing pickup orders, right, you can go just pull up your car, open the trunk. They set the stuff in there. She hates that. She hates it. So we pull up to Target. She knows she got about a 50-50 shot of going in. And she'll ask, Daddy, are we going in this time? And there was this one time. I, by the way, I've been really trying to, like, expand my horizons. I like to write. I've been trying to expand my horizons a bit. I've been, tr I've been wanting to write a children's book because I feel like being a parent, you go through these experiences. You might, might as well write a book about it, right? But a children's book, just like a fun, you know, off the top, you know, off the wall kind of book. And Leah, praise God, has been giving me material. And one, one of the things that she said, we we're at Target. She's like, are we going in? I said, no, we're just picking stuff up. And she's like, ugh. Waiting is boring, you know? And I'm like, yeah, you're right, Leah. Waiting is boring. But uh, so I thought, man, that's a great title for a children's book. Waiting is boring. So I like go on Amazon and I type it in and there's nothing. So if you steal that, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to know that it was somebody here, right? Um, but waiting is boring. So now, now I see Leah through the context of waiting is boring, right? So now I'm listening into more of the stuff that she says so that I can get material, and one day for lunch, you know, she, she wants peanut butter and jelly and chips. And I said, well, we're making a pizza today. And she's like, ugh, daddy, I don't want pizza. And I was like, why? You love pizza. And she's like, pizza is long, right? 
And what does she do? She means that pizza takes a long time to make, but uh, it really doesn't. And I try to explain that to her. Leia, pizza, I know pizza is long, but she said, Dad, waiting is boring. And so I get it. But I think in reality, that can be a lot of us in terms of this question, what is God asking of you? Because a lot of times we want him to just kind of throw it right in front of our face, right? We want him to throw it right in front of us on a silver platter so that we can say, okay, I know exactly what you want me to do. I know exactly how you want me to do it. And I don't want the hardships, God. By the way, I don't want to, the hardships, those are long. That's boring, okay? I don't want the hardships. I don't want the trials. I just want you to bring me through this journey as cleanly and quickly as possible, right? And I get that. I totally get that. I totally understand that. But this society that we live in of instant gratification is, is brutal. It's brutal because a lot of times we think when stuff gets hard, especially after you say yes to following Jesus, stuff gets hard or you get challenged in an area of your life that you need to repent or you get challenged in a, a situation or circumstance that you're going through that you're like, wow, what was even the point of following Jesus? If I knew I was going to have to go through this, I wouldn't have done it anyway. I would have just rather stayed oblivious to all these things that are going on. But the grass isn't greener on the other side, right? The grass is green where you water it. The grass is green where you're steadfast. It's where you're patient. It's where you endure. And I love it. Paul, a writer of the, much of the New Testament, he wrote this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He said, that is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small. Remember, Rachel talked about that red piece on the rope. Our present troubles are small, right? And they won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them. Just let that truth soak in for a second. That your troubles, though they are small and though they don't last very long, they produce a glory that vastly outweighs them and what will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles that we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. I think what James and Paul are trying to tell us here is this, and this is the main point today. So if you got your notes and you're writing stuff down, write this down. If you're not writing stuff down, write this down. And by the way, if you've heard me say that before, that's my bit, so just get used to it. I'm going to say it every single time. Write this down. If you're not writing it down, write it down. Okay, when you live with eternity in mind, that's when you have faith that moves. When you stop fixating on the red piece and you start fixating on eternity, you fix your eyes on the one who is eternity, Jesus, the beginning, the end, forever. When you fix your eyes on eternity, when you live with eternity in mind, that's when you have faith that moves. So I want to ask us again, what is God asking of you today? Are you living with eternity in mind? And I believe when you live with eternity in mind, that God's going to give you opportunities to impact eternity, right? To take part in divine appointments like, hey, stop at that lemonade stand. Or, or hey, uh, I'm not just randomly putting this person on your mind. I actually want you to pray for them. Or, hey, I, I want you to reach out to this person and encourage them. Or maybe God's going to give you opportunities to speak life into somebody's situation. Maybe that trial and hardship that you go through during this little, this little piece on the rope and spectrum of eternity. Maybe what you go through is going to bring life and healing to somebody else who goes through the same thing, who can't see hope and light at the end of the tunnel, but you're there to tell them, look, I went through something so similar, and guess what? When I locked arms with Jesus, 
everything changed. It doesn't necessarily make it better. It doesn't necessarily make everything go away. But he gives you peace. He gives you joy. He gives you things that can't be taken from you. That the world, that nothing in this red piece right here can ever take from you. If you stay steadfast, if you stay patient, if you endure, if you go through it with him together. When you have eternity in mind, that's when you have faith that moves. But the problem, the big problem, is that we got big butts. Right? We got big butts. We, and we, we hold on to these big butts. Right? We hold on to these big butts, and what's your butt? Right? What's your butt? God, I love you, but I don't have time to serve. God, I believe in your miracle working power, but I'm too embarrassed to go meet one of the prayer warriors after service. God, you are Jehovah Jireh. You're the one who provides. I trust in you to provide, but... I'm not really in a good spot to, to tithe right now. Jesus, you're my savior. You're the Lord of my life. You've given everything to me, but I'm not willing to express myself in worship. I know I've been in every single one of those seats, but what's your but? Fill in the blank. And why are you, why are you holding on to it? Ask yourself that question. Why are you so willing to hold on to that but? If you believe those other things, right, faith that moves, you believe those things about Jesus, you believe he's your provider, you believe he's your savior, you believe that he's set you free, but, but what? He's nudging. He's nudging you today. What's your but? Are you living with eternity in mind? Because when you live with eternity in mind, what? You have faith that moves. James continues in chapter 5, verses 13 through 18. Are any of you suffering hardships? What does he say? You should what? Pray. Mm. So you're going through something, but when you have eternity in mind, what happens? You have faith that moves. You should pray. Are you happy? You should have faith that moves. You should sing praises. Amen? Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders or the leaders of the church to come anoint you with oil in the name of the Lord. Because why? Because hmm. such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you've committed any sins, you will be forgiven. It's powerful. Confess your sins to each other. Faith that moves, right? And pray for each other. Faith that moves so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person, don't miss those details, by the way. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was human as, as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, which, by the way, crazy prayer, right? Crazy thing to even think God, God would do. It's like, stop the rain, God. Stop the rain. What did God do? None fell for three and a half years. And then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. I want to encourage you to go back. I, I, actually, it's crazy that this verse popped up in my preparation this week because I've been reading the Old Testament since January 1. And God has got me in right now, First and Second Kings, these last couple weeks. 
First and Second Kings is where you can read the story of Elijah and his uh, protege, Elisha, same, very similar name. Not sure, God, I'll ask you someday why you did that. I gave him such similar names. But incredible, incredible stories. Incredible stories of God doing what only God can do that you can only know about if you get into the Old Testament. And when somebody like James references somebody like Elijah, it's powerful to understand exactly what he's talking about. To understand that the reason that Elijah is, is calling for the rain to stop and calling for the rain to come is to show the hand of God and the, and the favor of God over his people. And you can read those stories, but the thing that I got out of that, what James said, is that God didn't stop the rain so that Elijah would think that he has power to stop the rain, right? He did it so that Elijah would know that he serves a God who has all authority in every situation and circumstance. He did it so that Elijah could have confidence knowing that when he calls on the name of the Lord, that the Lord's going to answer. To have confidence and assurance that he can stay steadfast, that he can stay patient, that he can endure through difficult times, that he can believe in God to come through in impossible circumstances. Amen? See, sometimes God's going to provide for our felt needs in supernatural ways so that we know that he's got our back in every situation and circumstance. Sometimes he's going to provide in supernatural ways to remind you that you were meant to take part in supernatural things. That you're meant to take part in things, well, with eternity in mind, right? Because when you have eternity in mind, you have faith that what? Moves. And that's the only way that you have faith that moves is when you fix your eyes on Jesus, when you fix your gaze on the things that you cannot see. But what's your but? What's your but? Do you believe that you belong as part of God's plan? Do you believe that he's setting you up every single day for divine appointments? Or are you just kind of going about your own way, doing your own thing? Because I would contend that that's dead faith. I would contend that if you're sitting in here today, you know who Jesus is. You know what he did for you. And we'll talk more about that if you don't. But if you know what Jesus did for you and you've received that, you've accepted that truth over your life, and yet you're still living by your own agenda, or there's pieces of your life that you're saying, but to God, I would contend we're not living with eternity in mind, right? And I, I told you this a couple weeks ago. Uh, if you weren't here, here's the Cliff Notes version. I talked about words and how important words are and how important it is to speak truth in every circumstance and situation of your life. And I told a story about how in recent months, my personal work, which is commission-based, I write about football, and it's commission-based, it had been going really, really bad. Like, typical, typical month, you know, is sustainable, able to really, uh, God has really blessed me in that. But atypical months, when the views aren't there on the stuff that I write, it's really brutal. And it got me discouraged, it got me down, it got me speaking lies out loud over myself, my situation, my present, my future, all these different sorts of things. And I started to believe these lies. I started to just have a bad attitude every single day. And then God planted this seed in the form of a song called More Than Able, where he says, you are more than able. You are more than able, meaning God is more than able. And who am I to deny what the Lord can do? And I hear this song, and it's just, you know, planted in my brain. It's planted in my heart. And you want to know what happened right away after I started to believe the words of that song over the lies that were floating around in my head? Nothing. 
Nothing happened right away. But, like I said, a seed was planted, right? And what happens when a seed is planted? You got to be patient. You got to stay steadfast. You got to start speaking truth over your life. You got to start praying and believing that God is going to show up in ways that only he can. You got to believe with eternity in mind that you have faith that moves. So, although nothing happened immediately, I randomly came upon a, an opportunity to interview within my same company for a job that's not commission-based, but it's a salary. And I was like, dang, okay, God, I see, I see what you're doing here. And so I reach out to the person who posted the job opening because I've been at this company for over 10 years. And I said, hey, are you looking for internal people for this job? And he said, yeah, absolutely. I'll push your application to the top. We'll get you an interview right away on Monday or Tuesday. So I interview on Tuesday for this job. I submit the proposal or whatever it is. And now I'm waiting to hear back, which is awesome. Praise God for that. I'm, I'm so excited about that, even the opportunity. But then Tuesday, Wednesday this past week, I wrote a couple of articles. One of them was about Tom Brady, who's becoming a part-time owner of the Raiders. Another one was about somebody getting Russell Wilson's number with the Seattle Seahawks. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, that's okay. It doesn't matter. What those two posts led to are the two biggest days I've ever seen in the history of my job. It's crazy. It's crazy. So why do I tell you that story? Why do I tell you that story? prosperity, right? You pray, you do all the things right, you start focusing on the truth, and you start speaking things out loud, and you speak them into existence. No, I tell you that story because God is more than able in every circumstance. If you shift your mindset, if you start to transform the way that you think and speak and live your life, I believe with everything in me, and I believe the word confirms this, that God will bless you in ways that you can't even dream or fathom. I didn't expect any of that to happen. What I expected was God to come through as he always does. What I did was rely completely on him instead of completely relying on myself. And he turned things around. Just like Jesus with the bread and the fish, right? Jesus multiplies the bread and the loaves for 5,000 men and their families. And why did he do that? Well, because they were hungry. No. No, he did that to show them that he is able to provide in supernatural ways and that they then in turn are meant to receive that and take part in supernatural things. Just like we sang about, you call me out upon the waters. If you've never heard that story, it's, it's about Peter walking on water. Why did Jesus call Peter to walk on water? Or why did Peter say, call me to you if it's really you? Why did that take place? That took place so that Peter would know no matter what you're walking through, no matter what you're going through, no matter what kind of storm, no matter how unrealistic your request may seem, you serve the God who is more than able. You serve a God who can make you walk on water, who can give you authority over the wind and the waves. That's who you serve. It's so easy to get caught up in the miracle. It's so easy to get caught up in the, 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 the job opportunity or the big time views. But guess what? It's, it's the end of May. At the end of May, what's going to happen? Everything resets. Everything changes. Even if I get a job that has a salary instead of commission-based, I still am going to have opportunities in my life, and you will too, every single day, that you have to believe that God is more than able in every circumstance. There's never a moment where you can't be desperate for God. right? You have to always be desperate for him. And so I want to give you permission to get vulnerable in church today. I want to give you permission 
to get tears on your Sunday best, if God is convicting you of something and he's making you emotional, I don't want you to, to hold anything back. I want to give you permission and tell you that it's not too late to say yes if God has been pressing something on your heart for a long time and you've been saying, no, 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 it's not, it's not the right timing, it's not the right, it's not the right situation, my circumstances aren't. I want to give you permission and tell you that it's not too late to say yes. I want to give you permission to ask God for something so crazy that it'll completely fail and fall flat on its face if he doesn't show up. I want to I want to encourage you to say yes to baptism. I, I love hearing Rachel's story about that. My story is that when I was baptized, I was 27 years old. I had already been working in the church for a few years, and I was so embarrassed that I hadn't been baptized as an adult that I kind of like, I made up this lie that I had been baptized as a kid. And I told people I was baptized in this and that, and, and I, I don't know why I did that. I was just so ashamed that, man, I've been serving in the church for such a long time that I was embarrassed that I, like people are gonna see me getting baptized and be like, what? Why hasn't he been baptized? When in reality, literally nobody is thinking that, right? I mean, we get so caught up in this fear. And so that was me. I was afraid to do it. I was ashamed. I was like, you know what? It's just not the right timing. I even used my own daughter as a crutch. Mila at the time was a little baby. And I was like, well, when Mila is old enough, like I'll get baptized with her and Bethany. We'll do it together as a family. So like I had all these justifications like cycling around in my head of like, why haven't you been baptized? And God keep asking me for years, why haven't you been baptized, man? What are you doing? You know, and he's so patient with us. He's so graceful towards us. But I want to encourage you, maybe you're feeling uh, ashamed to come up here and do that. Maybe you're feeling like you're not worthy to stand in front of the church and let your testimony be shown and get dunked under the water and come up and, and represent that you've been made new in Jesus Christ. But I want to encourage you to really sign up and do that. To, to believe that something powerful can happen to that. I was talking to somebody this week who's getting baptized on June 11th, and I was like, when, my favorite thing about baptisms is getting to hear the stories and, and see people, you know, the emotion that they experience going under and coming up. But not only that, but also then seeing people who are inspired to do the same the next time we have baptisms, to see what your testimony is going to do to bring life to somebody else. And I hope you believe in that. I hope you believe in your life change that Jesus Christ has done in your specific situation and circumstance that you would have faith that moves to be baptized on June 11. So I would encourage you to fill out one of the Connect cards, write your info on there, write baptism, all those things. And, and I want to invite the worship team to come up. I didn't give you a cue point, Bryce. Sorry about that. But I, I want you to know you don't need to see surrender or, or vulnerability as a sign of weakness, right? When we're weak, Jesus, he's made strong through us. Don't let pride prevent you from receiving what God has for you. And don't feel bad for being afraid. Don't feel bad for having a but. Just know that he's given you a spirit, not of fear or timidity, but one of power, love, and sound mind, and self-discipline. It's okay to have a but, but what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do once you've been made aware that you got a big butt and you're holding on to it? What are you going to do? How are you going to have faith that moves? How are you going to fix your eyes on eternity? What is God asking you to do today? Maybe today it's going to be an opportunity for you to receive that good news of Jesus Christ for the very first time. Or maybe you're going to recommit your life to him and say, you know what, I've been holding on to this big butt for way too long. I want to recommit to following you. I know I committed once before, but I want to do it again. If that's you, 
I want to encourage you to just hang on to one of those green connect cards and fill it out before you leave today and make sure that you bring it to somebody because we can't do this alone. Because if we do it alone, that's when we start holding on to way too many big butts, right? So don't do life alone, especially when you say yes to Jesus. That's a very, very tough, uh, impossible, if I can say that, game to play. And it's not even a, it's, it's, we need each other. That's why we're called the body and the family of Christ, right? And I think it's no coincidence as we talk about this good news of Jesus that I've been going through Revelation these last couple weeks. And in Revelation 21, verse 27, I want you to look at what John wrote. He says, nothing evil will be allowed to enter, meaning eternity in heaven. Nothing evil will be allowed to enter, nor anyone who practices shameful idolatry. Remember Pastor Monty said that idolatry is adultery and that's cheating on God, right? Shameful idolatry and dishonesty. But only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Is your name in that book of life? Is your name in that book of life? And if you don't know, if you're questioning it, I want to encourage you today to remove any doubt. Remove any doubt. That's not, I'm not trying to make you afraid or anything. I just think the seriousness of the situation is that when we focus on eternity, right, we start to realize like, okay, there is something beyond this world. There is something beyond what I love, shoes, hats, you know. There's something beyond football. There's something beyond our jobs. There's something beyond even our families. There's something beyond our, our spouse, our relationships. There's something beyond these Sunday services. There's forever. Where do you want to spend forever? Because you get to decide. I love it. Pastor Monty says all the time, good people, they don't go to heaven. Save people go to heaven. People whose names are in the book of life. Ephesians chapter 2. I didn't put this up on the screen, but I want to read this to you, and I want, I want you to receive it today. That God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So what? So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. When you live with eternity in mind, that's when you have faith that moves. That's when you can do the good things that God planned for you to do long ago. That's when you can have your eyes open to that schedule of divine appointments that Jesus had. That's when you can open up your ears to know that, hey, he's whispering in your ear or he's nudging you to stop at that lemonade stand, right? That's when you can know that it's time to stop saying but and it's time to be obedient. We're going to celebrate being new creations in Christ together today by doing something that I think uh, you need to know. We have this available every single week. We don't do it often as a church family, but it's communion Uh, It's always available in the prayer room, by the way. If you ever want to do communion, if you ever want to celebrate that just on your own, you can do that in the prayer room or with your family or whatever. But we're going to do it together as a family today. And when I say amen, the host team is going to dismiss you to come and receive communion. We're going to sing. And I want to encourage you to take a next step today, to fill out a dream team card, to come and pray with somebody. 
to believe that God is more than able in your situation and circumstance. But why do we do communion? We do communion to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made, the, the covenant that he made with us. The covenant that says exactly what we just read in Ephesians, right? That God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. Why? Because it was his blood that was shed. It's his body that was broken. And none of us can take credit for that. I love another thing that Pastor Monty says. The beautiful part of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that he took the blame for everything that we did wrong and he gives us credit for everything that he did right. That's what it means to be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's what it means to be made new. That's what it means when God looks at you, he doesn't see your butt. He doesn't see your past. He doesn't see your brokenness. When you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that's who he sees when he looks at you. And it's a beautiful beautiful gift that you can receive today. So if you're a believer in Christ, I want to encourage you to take communion today. I want to encourage you to get vulnerable today. But I'm going to pray. And after I say amen, you'll be dismissed to come as we sing. Jesus, what are you asking of us today? What are you pressing on our hearts today? Where in our lives do we need to believe that you are more than able? Where do we need to stop speaking lies over ourselves? Where do we need to take that next step to have eternity in mind, to have faith that moves, faith that can stop the rain from falling in the sky, faith that can make the sun stand still, dead in its tracks, faith that can allow us to walk on water, faith that can multiply bread and loaves for 5,000 plus people, faith that can see the dead be raised, the sick be healed, faith that can see our broken situation made into something beautiful. Jesus, would you tell us exactly what it is you're asking of us today? Would you remind us that you are more than able, that you are a miracle-working God, and that you love us desperately. Even when we hold on to those butts, you love us, you love us, you love us. It's in your name we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I want to thank you so much for watching today, but don't stop there. I want to invite you to like or subscribe to this channel so you don't miss a single video, update, or message. But not only that, share this message with a friend. I mean, there are so many people out there hurting, struggling, and you have the ability to make an impact in their life. And finally, if, you're, if you live in the Omaha area, I want to encourage you to come join us on a weekend service. We would love, love to meet you. God bless you.